Good morning. Thank you for joining me for one more day of Creeds and Deeds. Today is Thursday, September 5th, 2019. You can find all of my source information along with links to leave me a rating and a review or a voicemail in my show notes. Now, let's get started with this call to worship from Psalm 142, a mascal of David when he was in the cave a prayer. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison, that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but this is the word of our Lord, and it stands forever. Today, I want to continue looking at Philippians 1, verses 18 through 20. So beginning at the second half of verse 18, it says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So I specifically want to look at verse 19, where it says, this will turn out for my deliverance. Um, I think that this verse actually would be better translated like it is in the King James when it says this will turn out for my salvation because based on the Greek, the word there is better translated as salvation. So the Greek word is soterion and it's used 45 times in the Bible and it's translated as salvation 42 of those of those times including every one of the other 17 times that Paul uses it. It also makes way more sense for it to be uh, salvation because the Philippians' prayers are pleading for God to send his spirit to strengthen Paul and to help him persevere through this struggle of being in prison and not fall away. And that's how Paul knows that it will turn out for his deliverance, right? For his salvation. And then Paul also says in the next verse, in 19 verse, in verse uh, um, 20, I mean, that it will turn out for his salvation or deliverance, whether by life or by death. So if he was talking about his deliverance from prison, um, it wouldn't make sense because he doesn't know if he's going to get out of prison alive, he says right there. But then he says that he knows that it will turn out for his deliverance or salvation. So he doesn't know whether he'll be delivered from prison, but he does know, even if he dies, he will be saved eternally. So because that verse, I believe that that should be 
translated as salvation, it brings up a better question then, is that how can he say that through the Philippians' prayers and the help of the Spirit, it will turn out for his salvation? How do the Philippians' prayers result in, in Paul's salvation? So there's a couple of things about this that I wanted to talk about. First of all, we know that we are saved at the moment that we believe we are justified and we can know that we uh, are right with God. But now how that works out in our life, what's called sanctification, is the ongoing process of being made into someone who resembles the Christ, who is in the image of Christ. Sanctification there. And we know that prayers are very, very necessary in that. And that prayers help along our sanctification. If we're struggling with sin or we're having trouble with belief, the prayers of those around us can help or they do help. And how they help is that when we pray, we're praying for the spirit of Christ to come and help that person continue down that road of sanctification to help them overcome that struggle. And so that's what the Philippians have been praying for. They've been praying for Paul to get through this struggle of being in prison and not fall away, not turn away from God, but, uh, but that, they would, that he would continue in the faith. And he says that he knows that, they will, that it will because we know that if you're saved, you will not turn away. Jesus will not let you go. So, but how he does that is through the prayers of his people and the spirit of Christ sanctifying us to keep us in the faith. Then the second thing I want to talk about about that was, is prayers for those around you that are not saved. You know, I had my aunt and my mom and many others praying for me for years before I ever believed in Jesus. My other, a different aunt of mine told me about how her daughter prayed for her for over 10 years before she came to faith. And we know that those prayers weren't just meaningless. God uses those prayers to actually work. He works through the prayers of his people. And we think, how can this be? If God knows everything from the beginning of time, if he's already elected those to salvation that will from before time, then how can this be? Well, the problem that we see here or that people see is they want to think of God in time, but God doesn't exist in time. God exists outside of time. So when we pray, we're not only just communicating with God in this moment, those prayers go outside of time and they communicate with God in eternity. So those prayers actually work to our salvation in eternity. So it's important that if you're praying for somebody or if there's somebody that you know that isn't a Christian, never give up on them. Pray for them constantly, even if it takes decades. Until the day that they die, they are not without hope of salvation. So keep praying for their salvation. And for those that you know that are Christians, pray for their deliverance, for their salvation through the trials of their life, that they would be continue to be sanctified and the Holy Spirit would continue to work in them through that.
Westminster Larger Catechism, Question 35. How is the covenant of grace administered under the New Testament? Answer. Under the New Testament, when Christ, the substance, was exhibited, the same covenant of grace was and still is to be administered in the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, in which grace and salvation are held forth in more fullness, evidence, and efficacy to all nations. Scripture proof. Ephesians 3 verses 1 through 12. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all these saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring light, bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Let's meditate upon the Word of God, beginning with this verse for preparation. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Adoration Psalm 27, or 20, verse 7. Some boast in chariots and some in horses, but we will boast in the name of of the Lord our God. Confession of Sin. Psalm 119, verses 4 through 6. You have ordained your precepts, that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. Thanksgiving, Ephesians 5, verses 18 through 21. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, 
and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Supplication Psalm 69, 16 and 17 Answer me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. According to the greatness of your compassion, turn to me, and do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Answer me quickly. And since we talked about praying for people around you today that are not saved, I'd like to remind you that you should be praying for your unsaved neighbors and for your unsaved family and your unsaved friends. Name them by name and pray that they would repent of their sins and trust in Christ as Savior and Lord. And to remind you of how serious it is, Listen to this verse, Romans 1, 18-21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So that makes it very clear. Your friends, your neighbors, your family that are not Christians, that don't believe the gospel, that the wrath of God will be revealed from heaven against them because they've suppressed the truth. And God has made it evident, so they don't have an excuse. If they die without Christ, the wrath of God will be revealed against them. And then Paul even goes as far to say that they are foolish, that their heart is foolish, that they become fools, and that they've exchanged the glory of God for corruptible man. And then John 3.36 says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So that means that we know that believing in the Son, in Jesus, is the only way to have eternal life. And if you don't believe in the Son, the wrath of God will abide on you. Now join me in prayer from the banner of truth. Contrition from the Valley of Vision. O thou, most high God, it becomes to me to be low in your presence. I am nothing compared with you. I possess not the rank and power of angels, but you have made me what I am and placed me where I am. Help me to acquiesce in your sovereign pleasure. I thank you that in the embryo state of my endless being, I am capable by grace of improvement, that I can bear your image, not by submissiveness, but by design, and can work with you to advance your cause and glory.
But alas, the crown has fallen off my head. I have sinned. I am alien to you. My head is deceitful and wicked, my mind an enemy to your law. Yet, in my lostness, you have laid help on the Mighty One, and he comes between to put his hands on us both, my umpire, daysman, mediator, whose blood is my peace, whose righteousness is my strength, whose condemnation is my freedom, whose spirit is my power whose heaven is my heritage. Grant that I may feel more the strength of your grace in subduing the evil of my nature, in loosing me from the present evil world, in supporting me under the trials of life, in enabling me to abide with you in my valleys, in exercising me to have a conscience void of offense before you and before men. In all my affairs, in all my affairs, may I distinguish between duty and anxiety, and may my character and not my circumstances chiefly engage me.